Please pull up a seat and wind down. With your sojourn on Rakinjima, a pleasant one. The Witch of Truth has invited you to a tea party. We hope you choose to attend. To a hidden tea party. My name is Courtney, pronouns she, her, and I am the witch of video games, and these are my guests. Hello, I'm Jess, my pronouns are they, them, and as much as as much as much I have had it up to here with how many OCs there are in this game, I do really love one of them in this reading. <laughs> mm. See if we can guess who it is. <laughs> mm. Curious. Hi. Um, my name's Rowan, and I am elated to announce that Uraneko has revealed a goth woman. <laughs> it finally happened. We did it, gamers. It finally happened. There is a character in this reading who has an all-black outfit and blue hair. And she's my wife! Sorry. <laughs> it's oh, her. Um, <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, no. I, I'm not very excited to get stuck into this reading. I'm very excited for the first... Uh, three lines of this reading and then I start hitting my head against the table again. Oh, fun. This is our first Dawn of the Golden Witch episode. So we read up to the end of uh, chapter two. So uh, if you do not want to be spoiled, stop listening. We warned you. Episode six, uh, yas. Episode yeah. six. Uh, so let me do a quick reading of the uh, uh uh, opening, which will be dubbed over in post. Oh. Episode 6, Dawn of the Golden Witch. Good morning! Now, the curtains shall finally rise on a game devised by Lord Battler. Will Lord Battler manage to successfully and spectacularly play the demanding role of Game Master? We shall witness this fight from the opposite side of the chessboard. There is no longer a difficulty level. This is not a hint, but a confession. Um, Lord Battler, don't like that. Mm -mm. Oh, they call him even worse things later on. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm intrigued about how this whole other side of the chessboard thing is going to look from our perspective. I will say it gives you some nice hints about the rest of the game. I certainly hope so. I've I've been predicting that Umaneko is like slowly trying to get us to sympathize with witches. I've been saying this a long time. And I think it's doing a pretty good job of that at the moment. Um I'm curious to see how no longer being Wait, no, we're still aligned from with Battler, aren't we? Yeah. Yes, it's just that battlers aligned with the witch side now. Yeah, because I was going to be like, oh, this is really interesting because we're no longer aligned with battlers, so we're going to be on the other side of the thing. What's going on? But yeah, no, you're right, battlers. I don't know whether, what he does with that, though, might change because, yeah, I yeah. don't really know exactly how he's going to play that. Uh, if it's not clear by now, the reading the reading that we've done stops just before the game board actually starts, so we haven't had an 
an insight into that, yeah. Almost as if someone planned it to end like I, I know who could have done this. Um... Who could have done this? <laughs> um, Shall we get into the prologue then? I want to point out that the chessboard has quite literally been turned around for us. Oh, Flipped, you might flipped, say. Flipped over the chessboard. <laughs> We've flipped over the chessboard and underneath um, there's backgammon. I don't <laughs> Yo, we're playing backgammon? <laughs> this again. Uh, we are in the cathedral where uh, Natsuhi was convicted in the last episode. Yeah. But it's been it had it's had a bit of redecorating. Yeah. It's been redecorated for a wedding. Uh full of uh white like ribbons and flowers. I was picturing the bit at the start of Rocky Horror where they like turn all the flowers and stuff around because there's going to be a funeral in the same church and like the the back of the flower arrangements are all painted black. So oh, we meet the two demons officiating the ceremony. I don't think they're named at this point. No. So, uh, no. I'll drop their names at a later date. But one of them is uh, has blue hair and is an all back black. And one of them it has red hair and is in yellow and green. Yeah, so uh, blue hair turns up first. And I don't know if you know about, uh, uh, if anyone knows this, but anybody who has blue hair for me, that's an instant, instant I'm in love. Um, <laughs> nice interesting especially when compared with paired with a nice monochrome outfit it was it was just everything for me um i felt a little bit sorry for the other one actually i don't know why her hat and her like the hat is green but the rest of the outfit is yellow i don't know quite what was going on there like it didn't gel mm. for me as well i'm gonna give a bit of a bit of early war about these characters just for pronoun purposes Ooh. so the only thing we know about these characters genders is that they both have different genders okay i like but this. we don't know who has what gender are you telling me that what the, my my waifu has blue hair and pronouns <laughs> your waifu does have blue hair and pronouns my my waifu of whatever gender it turns out they have has blue hair and pronouns <laughs> i was like immediately interested in the fact that the voice acting for blue hair is like considerably deeper oh, yeah that's the other thing I, I love a I love a deep voice i love a deep voice and it was mm, mm. i was like ah oh, yes our, our typical podcast listening <laughs> <laughs> um i just uh, this is for you and like two other people listening but it is the voice of hibiki from prepara voicing the blue head character so ah I see. I like that. I like the voice then as well. <laughs> Incredible. Um, it's it's the fabulous Mitsuki Saiga. She has like an insane range. I need to Google her and be like, what else has she been in? <laughs> also, Incredible. If, if you Google her, you'll see that she presents quite butch in, in real life as well. So Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Incredible. Uh, I love her and I love everything that she's in. Although it's always weird whenever I hear her doing, like, a more feminine character, I'm like, something's off about this. Go back to doing, like, your, like, macho voice. Yes. What, what's going on here? Incredible. She's not a stranger to voicing uh, both uh, male characters and uh, more uh, mask-presenting women, so... We love you know. that. So yeah, I got so I got so taken away with this introduction of the characters that I kind of almost forgot that we were doing a wedding, um, and that was kind of horrifying because I was like, oh god, what are they doing now? 
Oh, yeah, because who should fucking turn up <laughs> Erica in a wedding dress? I love her. This look, this is the moment. This is the Erica look. I will say, it's a good look, and it also ages her up by a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. I just love the veil over her, like, twin tails. It's yes, it's nice. It's a nice, like, yeah, it's a nice dress. It's it's really good. Um, and But it was that against the horror of, oh, God, who is she marrying? Now, I am going to point out, I've just Googled the full s- sprite. If you pan out, uh, she's, okay. She's not got fanny um, frills, has she? No, she's she's got a weird bouffant, which I don't know how I feel like. It looks like Natsui's ponytail in the way that it's like kind of a different colour to the dress and it's just stuck on. Um, And she's also got a one-winged eagle printed onto her wedding yes. dress. Um, oh, interesting. She's not allowed to wear that. Sucks. Okay. Confession, dear listener. I have watched an inordinate amount of Say Yes to the Dress in my life. I am fucking obsessed <laughs> with wedding dresses. And as a wedding dress connoisseur, I really wish they'd done anything else with this. I feel like there were so many beautiful wedding dresses in the world. And I agree, the headdress is good. The headdress is fun. Love it over the little little pigtails. Great. Bottom half of the dress, not not vibing as much for me, I'm afraid. Yeah, I will say it's definitely not the kind the style of wedding dress that I personally enjoy the most. Like it's very it's yeah. quite it's strapless. That's not really my fave. It's no. like it's kind of I don't know what it would be made of, but it looks like very kind of like silky material maybe like all kind of one texture yeah um, the yeah. the fabric is sculpting to her vagina bones yeah which you can't see unless you google the full sprite but yeah um after the fanny frills incident i am googling full sprite yeah <laughs> that makes sense because <laughs> um, um, i realized recently that like all the stakes have it as well and the chiestas they... oh god yeah I just I hadn't realized because I've never seen the bottom half of those yeah, designs. Because yeah. why would I? Yeah, the only time um, you see them is on the uh, menu art. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I will say is, is in terms of different wedding dresses you could have, this is not my favorite. In terms of what Erica usually wears, this is such a glow up. It's yeah, yeah. You know what? That is a completely fair. Assessment. So like, I was just like, yes, this is nice. Um, yeah, Rowan. I want your official assessment. How how old does she look in uh, in this uh, wedding dress? I agree with Jess that it ages her up considerably. Because um, yeah, this this yeah. is a very mature cut dress, whereas the dress she usually wears is like very kid. Um, it, is, it is. I don't think it makes her look old, but it makes her look like kind of around the age she's supposed to be. I think it does. Um, it does. Um yeah. I don't I don't know what they've managed to make it not look like a child in a wedding dress. They've managed to make it look like a teenager in a wedding dress. Mm. Which like is better. Yeah, I, I agree with Jess's assessment wholeheartedly. Oh, Burn Castle's officiating the wedding also. <laughs> oh yes, Burn Castle's also there to 
to help officiate, is there we reveal that uh, the groom is Battler, who, uh, who whose eyes are grey, and uh, his lips would mutter something from time to time, but no one could tell if the words meant anything. Yeah, yeah. and he just kind of, like, he kind of just says things like, for a while. Um, um, it's, in it, it's an interesting one, this one, and I'll come back to it. Because they don't reveal who the groom is for a little while. They refer to the groom and being like... They keep there. calling him Mr. Groom. <laughs> but they call him Mr. Groom for a while. They don't show the sprite for a while. And then there's this bit where like Burncastle addresses the groom. And looks straight at us as the player. And says, asks, are you all listening? Um, at which point I wrote in my notes, please don't marry me to Erica. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 Um, Oh my goodness. um, And and then, yeah, Erica jumps in and says like, oh, it's a shame you can listen, but you can't answer. Um, And then, then it's revealed that it's Battler. I'm going to come back to that later. I have like a theory. Yeah. Because Um, that was interesting. So, so Battler, I, I, Battler, like, manages to get something out and it's like, can't escape or something. Yeah, he does say a few things, but it's not very... Yeah. And then Erica talks about him being trapped in uh, a closed room of uh, his own making. Yeah, I think she specifically says she will shut his heart in an escapable closed room forever where only she can command it. Um, and and she also reveals like, oh, I'm not marrying you, Battler, because I love you. I'm marrying it to, so that I can humiliate you. So I can own you. <laughs> and own you. Yeah, I'm like, okay, that's a very Erica power play. Like, that makes sense. Um, yeah. I have some questions about this. Is this, like a premonition of stuff that's going to happen in this later episode? Is this something that has already happened, like, quite a while ago? Is it, like, when is this? Um, because as the bit of the bit of this uh, episode we've read so far, we don't come back to this scene. No. Um, and I think I... it's really important when it happens. I have a prediction. Mm-hmm. I think this is Peace Battler from the last game. I think when you have a locked room and you trap someone in a locked room or a a red truth web or whatever it is, um, they can't escape. Mm-hmm. And so they're that version of them is then like trapped forever in that. And Erica having done all of the like duct taping windows, etc., for this locked room is now like in control of like as far as she can be in control of peace battler who's stuck and at some point we're going to realize that every time there's been a locked room the or maybe even a culprit theory the human peace that is like trapped by said locked room is actually trapped and that piece is actually trapped, and therefore it would be the most compassionate thing to believe the witch explanation for every one of these, and therefore set all of these humans free. Interesting. Mm. I like that. Um, that's my prediction. Um, who knows? Who knows? 
that I feel like that's quite a wild accusation to make. I feel like that's very uh it delves into it delves into some very specific things between what's like who exactly is a piece who exactly is in the meta world what their positions are at any one time that kind of thing um yeah but i don't put it past the game to do something like that especially as like we do get a little bit later in this in this uh reading some more clarification over mm-hmm. like the distinction between the two um yeah i do think this so, is peace yeah. battler from last game okay. if nothing else um but we'll see i i i realize that i've put a lot of shit on the table there that could get proved wrong very easily because it was a <laughs> bit of a wild accusation but... i like a wild accusation but i like that it like has some interesting interaction with the themes yeah what what's happened is i have believed that i've sussed the themes of Umineko and as a consequence i'm just like yeah yes i understand what's going on here and uh, feel confident to make such accusations. Why not you? Definitely. Why not me? And so, and so, like, we get that scene and we're asking questions and we're like, ooh, what's going to happen next? And then the opening theme plays and we just don't find out. Um- <laughs> yeah, although the opening still slaps. The opening, opening still, still slaps. slaps. I, did, I did bop along with it this time. It was great. Um, I read all the lyrics of the opening and I'm like, ah, yes, my theories are confirmed. I can't remember any of this. I read the lyrics of the opening and I was like, ooh, these probably mean something and I don't remember a single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, that was the same thing. I was like, I was looking at these and I was like, mmm, mmm, this feels like foreshadowing. I'm not going to remember it though. Yeah, it became clear. This reading for me, it felt like someone, it felt, you know how Courtney said, a couple of episodes though ago that episode six is someone saying do you get it yet that kind of is what this whole reading felt like for me and unfortunately the answer was no but i felt like it was packed with very important information yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> i was looking at it being like i know that this is so key to what's going on i just don't have <laughs> i don't have well, it. If it helps you have um, the whole episode of him going do you get it yeah, yet? Yeah, yeah, I've got... So there's, don't worry. There's time, there's time. There's so much time. But yeah, this is a lot of, like... We're, like, kind of leaving U- Umineko as, like, a murder mystery zone and moving more to, like, Umineko as, like, a work with themes zone. I felt like it was... Every 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 line that was said, I felt like Ryukishi turned to the camera and winked at me and then left. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that is! <laughs> Quite literally in some pieces. Yeah. Um, So the next scene that we get is unnamed narrator in a locked room. Yes. Yes. I'm already screaming and clapping. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you mean. Um, um, uh, This this scene, I don't know. I said I'm a little baby who scares easily, but I found this very unsettling. I I thought Um, they did the atmosphere of this scene really well um is what i will say is i think this is at least so far one of the most convincingly creepy scenes um so for the listeners there's like a person in a room who like goes up to a door peers out the door and like is trying to escape it and can't get out and then is like i can't turn around because the witch who lives in the darkness will be there and i'm scared and i was like i know that feeling I know that fucking feeling. It's Slender that... Man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you're, if you're, it, it's so weird. If you're like stressed about like being afraid of the dark or something. And I remember this from like when I was a wee bab being like, I can't, it does. If, if I don't open the door, it won't exist. I was mm. like, 
was like, this this is <laughs> finally relatable Uber Echo content. Um, <laughs> yeah. So without love, it can't be seen. Without fear, it isn't there. so the trick dear listener if you are afraid of the dark in this way is to decide what it would be and decide something that you can control my personal favorite is pyramid head from silent hill because i think he's a little fella he's my good friend believable thing to appear randomly in the dark um i uh, before before that i used to pretend it was always freddy fazbear i was like that is a believable thing to be in the dark be fucking stupid if I got killed by Freddy Fazbear. <laughs> Gonna keep going. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good strat. My tactic is uh, listen to music uh, because uh, if I'm gonna get like stabbed to death in the dark, it would be really funny if it happened to Starships by Nicki Minaj. <laughs> well, right. um, my friend did once tell me that the alternative strat is to be like, well, in a horror movie, these things would happen. So what I'm going to do is make sure I'm definitely not in a horror movie by doing something really stupid (laughs) um, that would never happen in a horror movie. For example, like tying a ribbon around my head or like, I don't know, singing the My Little Pony theme song and then nothing can get me because it's not scary, um, which is interesting. My my big one when I was uh, when I was. Uh, younger was that I was always convinced that if I was scared, I was convinced that um, I was safe in whatever room I was in, but the moment I opened the door to another room, there'd be someone right behind it. So whenever I was scared, I just opened the vault really fast and ran. (laughs) Because I was like, then if anyone's standing behind the door, they get knocked over. (laughs) And also, if any of my family are there, they die also, apparently, (laughs) in my my fantastic strategy. (laughs) Um, incredible um of course the ultimate strat is to do what i did and just get good but uh <laughs> i realize that's not available to all of us wow <laughs> it was a skill there for something but um, yeah whoever whoever's narrating this scene doesn't know about these strats um yeah like and it's a yeah it's 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 really it's time. quite nice because like they've gone for like i think it's like the only really like it's the only soundtrack, like piece bit of the soundtrack so far that I've listened to and gone, oh yeah, this has really got that nice creepy vibe to it. Music very nice. Um, they talk a lot, like the character talks a lot about like um, not knowing where they are, but feeling like this sense of like doom and fear and stuff. And like the room, the room's all like purple and swirly like the meta world, but it looks like one of the guest bedrooms in the mansion. So we're already like people die here you know um and then like yeah they can open the door a crack and see like the nice corridor outside but there's like literally a chain on a stake stabbed through the door so that they can't actually open the door um and there's this nice little kind of chain tightening graphic that we get that like animation thing that we've not seen before um it's really cool i'd never seen it before with some nice clinking and stuff it's all just very and then like they try and yell for someone outside the door but no sound comes out and then just like the monologue they just end up going into this monologue of like i'm scared help me get me out um yeah for ages and i was like yeah this is this is well done and um what's going on here i wonder yeah um of course my prediction is it's somebody who's trapped in a locked room mystery who cannot escape Mm -hmm. but uh that's that's 
purely instinct driven based on the previous scene and has no grounding in reality. <laughs> so I think we then cut to Anja wakes up. <laughs> yes. We uh get reacquainted with Anja and uh Jewel Genderman. Yes, Amakaza wakes her up. He's in a in like this is less gender for me. He just like touches her face and wakes yes. her up and she's like, Why the fuck did you do that, you weirdo? <laughs> Yeah. Um, Not about that. If somebody touched my face to wake me up, I'd bite them. Um, but yeah, the it's not the the like the little locked room sequence isn't really mentioned as far as I'm aware. So you're kind of left being like, was that a separate thing? Was that what Angela was dreaming about? Is that a memory? Like, it's yeah. it's not really clear whether the two are related. Um, yeah, she doesn't remember where she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she seems a bit disoriented, and she's also and in then, a place we don't recognize because it's new art. Yes, and then uh, she is introduced to uh, Toya Hachijo, a reclusive author. Yeah, yeah. Ryukishi finally genuinely put himself in the novel. <laughs> It's me, I'm here. And <laughs> it's me, Ryukishi 07. <laughs> Ryukishi eighteen eighteen. But yeah, they talk they chat a bit about her like identity and stuff, and it's quite funny because basically like she's been she's been like ha- hiding her identity for all of this time and like she had a like a, a book signing event recently where she basically hired some guy to put a mask on and pretend to be the author um and, and then she's like oh why the mystery and stuff and her reasoning for not wanting to meet her audience is like oh they're all trash people they read my books but they don't actually read what's in them and i'm like wow <laughs> ria gishi really wants us to go back through the previous chapters and yeah they can of the novel huh? yeah he does he's <laughs> like they don't actually read the words and I'm like, you're right, I am a trash person. <laughs> I'm trying, though, goddammit. <laughs> Ange figures out that this is a witch, question mark. I think because she's being so mean. Ange's like, oh, before mm. before that happens, um, she figures out... She's the only person, apparently, who's figured out another one of this author's pen names that nobody yeah. else has used. Um and I realise now why I was having such of a problem decoding this, and it's because the translation we're using gets it wrong. <laughs> yeah, sadly, Witch Hunt got her name wrong. Um, uh, whoops. I mean, to be fair, there was no voice acting in the original translation, so they just had to make their best guess on how to read it. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, like I, I discovered that right before doing this podcast recording and looking at it, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. But like, it's the weirdest pen name ever. <laughs> Like, yeah, it, it is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Can you try and uh, pronounce it? Because I read it. Um, Itoi Kukuro Zerogo Nanaroku. So yeah, the the actual translation, the the correct translation of it, sounds even less like a name than the the one that we read. So, um, but yeah, so it's basically like every every syllable corresponds to a a number in the Japanese numbering yes. system so it, it translates and, as an 11 digit code yeah um, uh, it uh, translates specifically as 18th the 8th which in Japanese would be uh, Toya no Hachijo which is her name 
And I looked at this and I was like, oh my God, this is a clue to the epitaph. I have no idea if it is, by the way. I haven't like, I haven't sat down with it. Um, we will do the epitaph corner at some point, um, but I haven't, yeah. I haven't tried to factor this in, but like 11 characters, 11 mm-hmm. digits, words, numbers, mm-hmm. it's all fitting together. I did also think about the series of numbers that we get on the door of a cu- the room a couple of times. Mm, yeah, I was like, oh, oh, signature. Yeah, or whether you whether you translate them into, um, it's like it's like um cryptogram or whatever. Zero seven like... one something. Oh, 07? Yeah. Like our boy Ryukishi. It's gonna stop. God. Zero seven one five one one two nine. I feel though, like you know that you know that bit where it says uh, in the tenth twilight, attain to the power of the golden lands treasures, and it's like something to the power of something else. I'm wondering whether you do, whether you times whatever you end up with at the end of the twilights with fifteen, which is the the to the power of the golden lands treasures, and whether you come up with something like this. Count to Japanese. Complete guides to Japanese numbers. Oh, great. <laughs> well, anyway, shall we move on? <gasps> J-U-U! Like Jewel Genderman! <laughs> yes. Oh <my> <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, can't believe it was him all along. Lovely. Um, so, Ange figures this out. Um... Yes, and, and then um, basically goes. Uh, I've re- I've read your recent one, End of the Golden Witch. Yes, mm-hmm. ooh, uh, which is part of a series of forgeries that are popular in the witch hunting community, uh, which yes. is people basically writing fake Maria letters. Uh, yes, and um, it is implied that um, uh, Toya has uh, written. Banquet and End, and so also probably Alliance, the past uh, three episodes. Yeah, so episodes three, four, and five, basically. And just like, it's pretty distasteful to uh, keep killing off my family. <laughs> Writing about my family dying in different ways and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And like, Angela, Angela's like, oh, you're just like, you're just hanging on to this pen name knowing no one knows it was you and then when you get big enough as an author you'll tell people it's you and then that'll give credibility to the forgeries and stuff and make more people think it's true and Hachijo goes they're already true because I understood them and I'm yeah. like so th- I'm like she basically like I solved on Umineko have you I solved Umaneko and I only needed to read the first two episodes because I wrote the rest. And then I wrote the rest because I understand them. And I'm like, ooh. I like I have no idea what that really means in terms of a real world explanation. What this is saying is once you guys have solved Umaneko, you two can write your own perfect Umaneko fanfics. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean? Jess has already done that. Have you read the oh, Google sure. thing? <laughs> and I've got another one I'll in the works that's that. just... Mm. Uh... <laughs> yes. Um, and Ange starts, like, kind of feeling a bit weird because um, she notices that, like, she can't really remember how long she's been there and um, how uh, she uh, was supposed to like not not meet 
with Hachijo today, this wasn't supposed to happen. She remembers the narrative that we saw of like going to Nijima, mm-hmm. going to Rokunjima, like with the Sakutaro plushie and everything, which didn't and in this and in that narrative she didn't meet this woman even though yeah. she wanted to um mm-hmm. and then that's when uh the uh, uh toya reveals her true form as a witch she's really a witch and andrew was like yeah i knew that all along and i was like i didn't but actually looking back it does make sense because uh she was calling andrew things like child of man a lot and that's basically like turning to someone and being like hi me a mortal like yeah <laughs> i'm like yeah okay that's a pretty witch thing to do actually <laughs> so she introduces introduces herself as a uh, featherine augustus aurora i was like this is a courtney ass oc he is the witch of theater going yeah, yeah yeah this would be courtney's like D character go on <laughs> when i first saw her design I th- I thought from the waist down she was gonna have like a snake body, and uh, I'm very sad uh, that uh, she does not. Oh, that's and I will a be shame. Sad about this snake body. I don't know why I thought she was like a naga oh. or something, but I she just does was as like... well. Like I thought she had horns, um, and it's revealed later <laughs> on that it's basically like a headdress headpiece thing. Um, but it kind of looks like horns that grow from the back of her head and come round the sides. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. And she's wearing, I don't know what kind of, it's some kind of Japanese style of dress that I don't, I don't know enough to say which one. It's a very modified kimono. Okay. Because it, it's, it's got like, it's, it's got the, the OB yeah. round yeah. the waist. It's really folded. To me, it read like a, like a traditional like ball gown almost. I was like expecting it to be a floor length dress. It is a floor length dress. I was going to say, I haven't Googled this bright. Hold on. There might be fanny frills. <laughs> don't think there will be funny <laughs> it's just a really big dress uh, and then she's got a little like military sash with like a little she does. thing on it on her shoulder um so yeah there was a lot going on um and it's a very different and not at all western style like the other witches yeah like, i don't know if that's significant um what with the whole like kinzo loves the west and like is she a witch is she like a shinto witch i love her like colgate toothpaste stripes going down the dress <laughs> that's really something <laughs> she's got this huge pink How dress and then she's you? got like red blue green stripes in a perfect swoosh going down the dress and as the dress puddles at the bottom they're like it's <laughs> like toothpaste i can't believe you would uh Slander Kishi's designs? Me? <laughs> Never. Never. Not the toothpaste dress. <laughs> she could be a Fire Emblem character. But I will say this character has some... Is a sort of another big kind of Higurashi reference. Okay. Uh, between... Another, I can't go into details because it's like going like majorly into Higurashi spoilers, which I'm not familiar with at all. But I do know that, like, this is kind of meant to be a bit of an overarching uh, 07th expansion uh, right. character. So Interesting. That in mind. Um, um, anyway, she recruits Ange to be her reader. Miko. Miko. Okay. Yes, she's like shrine maiden in Japanese. And she also oh. likens it to like a familiar as well. Yes. And basically, her, like, her reason for this is basically like. 
she was watching the game through Battler's eyes, but uh, yeah, so like the in the real world, her human self is kind of like, oh, she's written episode three, four, and five, like she's an author, but her her witch the witch version seems to be like suggesting that she hasn't written these games, but she's been observing them from afar and is interested in them. Is that yes? And yeah, and it seems like the witch version hasn't got everything figured out. Yeah, she 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 hasn't worked everything out, and she wants to um, she wants an, a perspective of the sixth game, but she's been watching Battler's perspective, and she can't watch that for the sixth game because he's the game master. So she needs Anjad instead, um, which leads to all sorts of questions. Like, for instance, are we going to get Anja's perspective on the sixth game when she's not even there? Like, is that yeah. gonna like whose perspective are we seeing this from and how does Anja actually fin- figure into any of that um and will it mean that it's subjective because it will presumably be from the perspective of someone who's not the detective but if they aren't actually there in the first place does that mean that it's subjective um curious also if Erica's going to be on this game board i assumed yeah. so yeah but same now you're saying this i'm like it- is she gonna be there? Because it... yeah, it's like is she now just a meta character rather than? Is she now just gonna spectate? Yeah, or yeah. like do all of the detective stuff in the witch world rather than on the game board? I don't know. Complain from the sidelines. She's just like me for real. It dep- for real. I think it will probably depend on what Battler wants to do with her because he's as game master. He can then probably decide whether she's on there or not. So if he wants to humiliate her, he might put her in there. And put her in positions where he doesn't think she could do anything. Um, yeah. Does Erica get to control her piece? Does Burncastle? Does Battler? Like, what's what's going yeah, on here? I don't know. Um, mm. But yeah, so like, in the basically, in the human version, um, basically what Hashijo wants Anja to do is read the new forgery, which is episode six. Mm. Yes. So yeah, in the human version, she's like, "Oh, I'm writing episode six as well, and I want to know what you think about it." Yeah. Yeah. So we sort of we spend a lot of this um, reading a uh, cutting kind of between the two, like the meta, the meta world and the real world. Yeah. Um, thankfully, depending on which outfit she's wearing, we can tell which one of those it is. Yes. <laughs> and whether and, also and, the and whether Genderman is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he vanishes. Genderman did not make it to the um. To the witch world, pull one out. Sad. God, I wish that were me. <laughs> so, let's move on to uh, chapter two, Game Master. Uh, the witches are all getting together to prep for the next game. And then Beatrice shows up and uh, is acting a bit different. Oh, is she? Oh, yes, oh is she? she is. You might say. So she's she's like, hello, all respectful, all very polite. How are you? Everything. Uh, getting a bit stuttery, getting a bit flustered. You might even say she seems exactly like Shannon. <laughs> and I'm so happy for you, Rowan, because because this pretty much confirms everything you've been theorising. But I'm sad for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. But also, I'm so right. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I really He's feel so like I really right. feel like this can't be anything else. Like. <laughs> So, like, there's no one else who acts like that. There's a couple of things. I, I, I was 
I was like willing to hedge my bets in this section because there are a couple of people that this could have been and also like I was like oh it's like baby Teriche maybe she's just acting de- differently and then she does stuff later on that I'm like <clears throat> yeah anyway uh she's like the game's gonna be ready soon because everybody's been bitching about the game not being ready and yeah. then Batley shows up and is like go back to your roommate come on I told you not to go to like come out yeah he's and not he's like, oh, he's, he's acting quite cold towards her which seems interesting also also he can't he comes onto screen and i fucking laughed out loud because they've put him in like this big cape with one of those enormous like vampire collars and he comes out being super serious and i know it's probably supposed to be look how badass he is but it's just so funny <laughs> i want one of these so bad it's incredible <laughs> it's giving count von count it really I'm is like, and it's just like oh. i love it but it's also hilarious that he's taking no, himself so seriously thing. now awful it's <laughs> awful it's so good it's so good it's like it's like uh for anybody who's not reading umineko and wishes not to google the sprites imagine alucard from uh castlevania has like popped his collar yeah. like that's what you've got and the collar on that thing is huge. it's like up round is the so top of his hair and oh. it's just oh. oh god it's got this like tassel on it as well and like a huge chain connecting the two halves yeah. of the cloak because it's not sitting on him properly because of course it's not because that's this these designs don't care about gravity this is pre-established no, that's no. fair that's anime never fun. does no it's so good like my guy, he really thought he popped off with this one, didn't he? Oh no! <laughs> and then, it's incredible. Uh, and then Beatrice like... turns to him and is like, "We've been waiting for you, father." And he's like, Bleh. "And we're all like, <laughs> Courtney, as our like expert, what what Japanese word is being used here?" Uh, I believe it is Otosama. Yeah, is that is that a, is like is that a good translation for you? Is that what you would have? Yeah, that's pretty. That's like a really formal way of saying dad. Right. Yeah. Okay. 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 Like, like really formal. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. I. Listen, Ryokishi's been doing a tour of kinks lately. <laughs> um, you know, he's got the maid shit. He's got the petrification shit. He's There's got been time feet. stop shit. There's been feet. There's nonce shit you, you, you're attracted to milfs yeah he's got it all and I, I I didn't put it past him to have included a more dubious word also Beatrice having gone from like evil cackly witch to now this that's someone's got to get off on that Ugh. I was um, like yeah it's she not could Battler, be calling him though. daddy Battler is not liking it he's like don't call me no. that and no, sends her back to her no, room. thank fuck. Um, but that is, like, I think. Into this. Oh, I and she think... does. She does a little curtsy before she goes back to the room, which I'm pretty sure is something that only Shannon has ever done so far in the game. Yeah, there's. I mean, the only other female servant we've got is Kumasawa, and there's no way that Kumasawa curtsies with um, any modicum of seriousness. She... Kumasawa lurks. She doesn't curtsy. <laughs> yeah, no. Kumasawa's like, sorry, my back's really bad. I cannot curtsy. <laughs> He's like, you look Kumasawa around and be like, where's works. Kumasawa gone? And she's like peering around the corner at you. <laughs> Hello. Macro. 
<laughs> God. Yeah, no, I... Ha, oh, ha, oh, screaming, screaming. So, so uh, we... Um, we, we then cut to Ange and Featherine. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't... Uh... Beto's different. Yeah, they yes. have a really big discussion about this. And I'm like, oh, great. We're going to have commentary the whole way through being like, by the way, do you get this? We're going to have two people discuss it now. I'm like, this is the podcast. This is a podcast. <laughs> knew what I'm was going glad on. because I needed a podcast to un- to inform me about how to do this podcast where I try and work out what things going on. Um, that's, that's fair. But yeah, they have this they have this long discussion about the difference between a peace death and like a, a meta real person death. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's quite interesting um, because obviously, like um, they're talking about the 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 Beatrice who was like all like soulless and couldn't speak really mm-hmm. and stuff, who died at the end of episode five, was the real Beatrice, not the peace version. Yes. Um, and whereas with a piece on the board, you can kill them and they get revived over and over again and just put back on the board whenever. That's not how it works for the real version and they also talk about how like for a real death it could mean that like literally the person died or it could literally or it could just mean that they've lost interest in the game so like um Beatrice gave up and that was akin to her like the, her, the meta her dying because she was no longer present in the game anymore. Um, yeah. And it was saying how, like, in the same sense, like, um, like, they talk about how, like, Sakataro is Maria's piece because she thinks of him into existence. She can revive him again and again, except she needs a vessel to do that. Um, but if, but Maria, the game player, could die if Maria decided not to care about Sakataro anymore even if Maria the person still lived. So, yeah, it's all a little bit confusing, but, like, it kind of, like... They're basically leading up to the fact that, like, this Beatrice that, like, acts like Shannon is a new meta Beatrice that has been born. Yes. And because Beatrice was never a person, she was like the personification of the rules of the game. Yeah. Um, so she died in the end of uh, episode five. So now she's now there's another one with, you know, the rules are back. Battle has got hold of them now. Um, but it's a different Beatrice. Because they have to go through the resurrection ritual to properly bring her back, question mark not sure um i'm not sure she can be brought back like featherine gives us the red truth that that beatrice will never revive again like that one's yeah. dead um but in and also we talk about how beatrice exists as a personification of the rules of the game yeah yes i was thinking a lot about the version of beatrice that we saw in Kuadorian, like ages ago, um, that mm, fell the off the cliff. The one that Rosa killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, cliff dive, Beatrice, and Beatrice was like that thing will never live. 
it's that like that thing is dead i think she says or something yeah and i was like ah this yeah. feels like the same thing happening again because it's like this Beatrice reviving different times which to me feels like if the resurrection ritual happens again or the gold happens again we'll get like base normal personality Beatrice back where she's like evil and fun um <laughs> i sure hope that's the case rather than like battle having to like wait for a thousand years for her to come back to like this because that would suck and also be incredibly morally dubious when they start dating yeah because basically this this beatrice is a younger beatrice she's an egg basically yeah they call her a chick i'm gonna be referring to her as baby trice Oh, Baby Triche, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, usually the fan base refers to this one as Chick Bear Triche, but Baby Triche is so Baby much better. Chiche. If I do um, one thing good for the Human Echo fandom, <laughs> I hope it's to normalize Baby Triche. Yeah, so it's, it's like so this is this is her like root form, I guess. Before yeah. and like the Beatrice we knew was one who lived for a thousand years and became all corrupt and evil. Is how I her square root. This. <gasps> no numbers <laughs> the scariest part of this game <laughs> opening a door really fast and running through it just in case there's some numbers behind it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um okay uh yeah so we follow battler to kinzo's study which is like a game master version of kinzo's study where there's like a cool constellation like hologram thing happening on the floor with that's the game and there's Genji there and he's like Genji mate you've got to tell me if there's good you've got to tell me it's all right and Genji's is my like, story it's good. amazing mate it's, I like this great. because this is like because like Battler's the new game master he's now like he's got Genji instead of Ronave like as his helper he's doing he's got exactly the same setup he's just using the human versions not the witch ones like kumasawa's around as well no no gap equivalent as of yet that has been explicitly said um sad um uh, still still hoping for canon yeah the canon just shows up with in a dress with like half of it cut out yeah (laughs) um I I do think that this is like part Umineko book with themes. I'm like, oh, Battler's training to take Kinzo's place. Look at him commanding around Kinzo's servants in Kinzo's study, wearing a robe that is definitely Kinzo core. It I'm is. like, come on. It's, like it's a mixture of a... Kinzo and vampire, which is funny. Which to be is fair, Kinzo combo. does on his sprite have this like big black and gold. Robe, he does. He does. Like... It's the collar that gives me the vampire bit, though, and he doesn't yeah. have that. The collar um, is definitely something else. Yeah. So this, like, um, when Battler's like trying to set up the game board, he's like, "Oh yeah, this is actually super difficult." Because he's talking about he's trying to make the inner and outer bits of the story match. I'm presuming this means that he's like basically trying to make sure the human and witch sides can both coexist with the same information without contradicting himself. Unless this is like Mm -hmm. a hint at something bigger than that that we don't yet know about. Um, And is like... I mean, it would suck if the witch, if if the game was unsolvable, like you came up with something that was impossible to do. 
rather than yeah. just something that seems impossible to do, which is what he's, 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 kind of about. He's literally like, wow, Beatrice had to make all the old games solvable, didn't she? I bet they're solvable. And Ronave, um, fucking Genji's like, yep, they're all solvable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mel is like, ah, oh, good job this one's solvable too. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Fuck I know, off. babe. I know, I just can't do it. <laughs> the problem... Um... <laughs> The problem is I'm stupid. The problem right, so, is that I don't want to read the entirety of what we've already read I've been, again. I've been <laughs> saying this the entire pod for this exact reason. Ryukishi really wants you to solve Umineko. God, it's never really been does. more like, obvious. So bad. Sadly, I, if you tell me to do something, I do become like 20 times more unlikely to do it. Like, if you're like, you're like, oh, hey, do you want to join this boys' call? I'm like, no, actually, I'm going to hang out by myself. I was, I, I'll read him in Echo alone. Fuck you. Um, if, if, if you're like, oh, you'd like, do you want to come into town? I'm like, no, I'm having a day at home. So Rika, she's like, could you like, do you want to solve Um and Echo by any chance? And I'm like, nah. Nah. Fuck All you. that trying I was doing, fake. I wasn't trying. I don't he, does feel, he does feel like he's being a bit desperate. I'll give him that here. Um, yeah. Calm down, Ryukishi. So I we'll guess one of the things is um, <laughs> obviously Umineko is serialized fiction. Yeah. Uh, it was all um, written like while ep- while like episodes were coming out, mm. and so I do think part of this is him responding to criticism online that people just aren't trying to solve it because they don't think it's solvable. Yeah, it, like the serial knowing that it's serialized I does do think gives it context and like I think our experience of reading it if we were reading it as it com- came out would be different because you'd spend lots more time going back in the gaps but while you were waiting for the next yeah. one you'd spend more time going back over what you already had. Um Ryukishi wading into the replies to like <laughs> block and mute people saying it's unsolvable. <laughs> God. Um, also, uh, we get some discussion again from Ange and Feathery that I thought you guys might find quite interesting. Battler's excited for Beatrice to be revived. This is like presented as like a flashback before, yeah. you know, the scene we just had with Baby Trice. And um, Ange is like, so what the fuck has happened to Battler to make him, like, come around on her murdering his family repeatedly? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what what, what could possibly... What could have his sin have possibly been that would have changed this, uh, how he felt? Um, yeah. And I wrote, This shit just like in Muppets 2014 song, I've Got Everything I Need, when Amy Adams does the bridge where she b- hopes that uh, Gary will ride up on a steed, get down on one knee, and say, Mary, will you marry me? Please. So, sidebar, when is Amy Adams showing up in Umaneko asking for a friend? <laughs> I was going to say, I can't believe you've simultaneously compared this book to both BBC Sherlock and The Muppets at this point. Like, what? I'm so happy with The Muppets comparison. <laughs> it's what Umaneko deserves. I knew. I, I knew you would be. Uh... That was that was the right comparison to make. Honestly, I watched Muppets 2014. I would say upwards of twelve times. I've probably put more hours into the 2014 Muppets movie than I have, like Umineko, 
full stop. I just, I was obsessed with that movie. Um, I used to watch it in French as revision for French lessons. Je suis humaine or je suis une muppet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, we need we need to move on from this immediately because that's yeah, so much yeah, we to do. unpack there. Um, but uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I'm really excited for Patlas. Am I a witch or am I a human? <laughs> the oh little muppet version of Patlas singing. That does sound like a good time, though. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Tell me that does that, not sound that like a good over. time. Doesn't Beaker look quite a lot like Battler? <laughs> Oh boy, I was not ready to process this today. Oh boy. Doesn't Beaker look a lot like... Ginger. Grumpy. But that's it, really. Not the same hair. It's not the same hair. Ouch. We need to do art now. We need to do art of like, Beaker wearing Battler's outfit with the one-winged eagle on it. With the popped collar. And the popped collar! <laughs> when people assign me a Muppet, when my family assign people Muppets, they always give me Beaker. Oh my god, it's happening! <laughs> the prophecy! <sighs> oh boy. Beakler. Beakler. Me, 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 me. That's me saying, uh, go stuff your cow tits and make me a sandwich. For everyone who couldn't see that, Rowan was just doing breast gropey motions. <laughs> Is what I have to I'm describe that as. <laughs> doing Battler's most iconic moments, which mm-hmm. That's his gar- reminder that Battler's opening gambit in this book is to ask his younger cousin if he can squeeze her tits. Yeah, yeah. I feel like in we've come a long way since then, but have we really? I think this book is about having come a long way since then, sadly. I mean, I will say this, uh, uh, the, as you may have noticed, the second half of Umineko does tamp down on that a lot. And uh, I'm pleased about this. I think this is because Umineko is about Battler having character development. I really do think it is. I think it's also about tone. And what I gave think, you that idea? I think it's also potentially about this is less light-hearted and I think perhaps the writer may have thought that that was light-hearted humour. Yay. No. Um, what? Were you kissy? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You would not. You scoundrel. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh... yeah, yeah. Feathering basically confirms that Battle of Sin is in the episodes we've seen so far. It's not something we've not heard of. Thank you. Oh my god. For the audio listeners, my furniture just brought me a cup of tea. <laughs> not your furniture. <laughs> Oh, Incredible. You're going to have to go apologise later for that. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry I called you furniture on the podcast. You might not know why that's offensive, but it is. Um, that involves him having heard what I said. <laughs> yeah, Battle of Sin is in the episodes we've seen so far, which basically confirms it has to be the thing with Shannon, because I'm pretty sure that's like the only thing that we've heard that's from six years ago and it's, it's all lining up isn't it um yeah yeah 
Yeah. And like, Featherine's like, oh yeah, the sin is the cause of Beatrice. Makes sense. Shannon only did the Beatrice thing because of being abandoned or whatever, I guess. Um, I can't believe the battler left and Shannon became the fucking Joker. Apparently. Like. (laughs) (laughs) Shannon was just like, you have one bad day. That's all it takes. (laughs) Not only that, she went for George instead. And that must have really. It really. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious about like how if that is indeed the sin. Then what's George like? How does George fit into any of this? Like, I can't wait for the George and Shannon date to have bearing on the book. That would be cool. Like, because I would love it if, like, Shannon was only dating George for, like, some kind of, like, reason that was to do with the murders or something like that. Because I can't imagine it was just that she went for George as a second chance because then she wouldn't have killed everyone. She would have just let George rescue her instead. Yeah. Because he no. was willing to do that. Because it's definitely about revenge at that point. What yeah, I, so I, I'm not sure how... Psycho. Sorry. What happens with George, really. Rude. But also true. What? I just I was just being rude about Shannon for having killed a bunch of people for this. For yeah, fucking... I feel like I feel like there must be something else at play that we don't yet know about than that this is like like Featherine says like, oh, um technically Beatrice might be Battler's piece because Battler did the sin and created her. And I'm like, technically, if you really want to do causation like that, which I don't particularly because it like that, you know, like you can you can make anything cause anything with that kind of logic I feel like but yeah I feel like it, it must have there must be something more than just like Shannon felt a bit abandoned there must be other stuff going on as well well okay so my thing is like I don't think I, I, I don't think there's more to this than this in my kindest version of that I'm like okay it makes sense she started working for this family when she was six she has been horrifically abused by them throughout all of that time um she's she's been made to feel like she's completely and utterly useless and battler offered her kindness and escape yeah in a way that would have been very appealing and i can imagine that as a 10 year old because that's what she was you would have fixated on this and Mm. believed it and actually it might not necessarily just be the event but also like everything that's happened after the event she's like this is core memory for her and has developed past and i can see a version where it's like she's now this fucked up twisted person that the yushiromiya family have made her and she's fixated on this event in battle and her past where he promised to basically take her away from abuse that she'd been experiencing for, at that point, four years, but like the ages six to ten, which are like four the pretty important years. years. <laughs> um, that's that's about half of her life at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm like, okay, so 
kindest reading of this it's like okay so the entire yushiroma family actually made her into this it's just that this is like the catalyst for that and the things she's chosen to fixate on um why that needed i think i think that's the most justifiable answer to this because it means that everyone there deserves their deaths or at least has like earned them instead of it being like these are kind of just people who got in the way it's like okay these people have contributed to the abuse and i don't think death is a very good punishment for ever anything i don't think punishment is a very good solution to most things however i can understand that motivation better mm. than i can yeah when i, guess... I was 10 you know yeah i i guess like I can understand that how how the motivation can can turn into like anger and all of this. What I don't quite understand is exactly how it plays out in terms of like the mysteries of the solution to Umaneko. Like, why does Kinzo have to be dead? It makes sense that this, that all of this happens when Battler comes back because it's meant to be showing him something. Um, but yeah, like, why does everybody have to die? Why does like, why does it have to be the rich the ritual? There's there's quite a lot of things where I'm like, did it have to be this complicated? Is there a reason that it's this complicated? Hmm. Rather than it just being drama, because it could hmm. just be that, I guess. Um, but yeah, I feel like yeah. we're missing a little bit. You have a um a list of reasons. Well, a list of not. Are deconfirmed reasons from Vigilia in the last episode. Yeah. I do wonder if um Beatrice which Beatrice, like the the symbol of Beatrice is a symbol of like feminine rage, mm-hmm. perhaps, that gets inherited by different women connected with this island, maybe, and that actually there was there was a couple of past Beatrice's. Um maybe Vergilia I don't know understand how Vergilia would be involved, but there is like the the child that Kinzo was raising on Kuadorian and I'm like, who's that? And they've died and that was a Beatrice of some kind and also I think I think Shannon has become Beatrice because she solved the epitaph. Think that's yeah, I guess I guess I think my reasoning form. for this is basically that this is such a complicated book with so many moving parts, and I feel like that is a very simple motivate like explanation for how it could all come together. I'm like, there must be other elements to it that have made it so complicated in how it plays out. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but that just feels. I mean, there's individual like character motivations at play, at least. Yeah. Um, for example, I'm thinking about episode three and some of the solutions you presented for stuff going on there. Like mm. that involves individual characters having their own shit going on in the background. Um, I'm. I think the solution I'm posing here is one that I'm trying to solve for the witch plot and the witch plot alone, okay. not the like. Why does Ava go hog wild in one of them? And yeah, yeah. Why's Kyrie like like that or whatever? <laughs> like I think these things are separate that are all coming together to create the mess of Umineko. I desire I desire that when somebody asks me what my podcast is about, 
I will someday be able to give them a sentence explanation. Oh, good luck. Ah! That's, that's my goal. I can do that. It's about a game. <laughs> anyway. I, normally I, say, I, I like to say it's about murder mystery video games. Interesting. I normally say my friend Courtney makes me read this really, really long murder mystery book and every few <laughs> chapters we stop and try and solve it. That's what I normally tell people. Lol. Yeah, so we go we we then end up going back to Battler meeting new baby Treche for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. She's made him food. Yeah. He is pissed. Yeah, she's because he turns out and he's like, Beatrice, I'm so happy to speak to you. I want you to look at my new game board. I want you to be proud of me. I want to talk to you about who you really are and stuff. And she's like, hello, father, I have made you dinner. And like, she's really confused when he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you don't act like this. Um, And gets like super angry. And then like... It goes into this big speech of like Kumasawa trying to explain to him that this is a Beatrice who's three days old rather than a thousand years old and experience shapes a person. So she can't be expected to be the same person. And so I, I basically read this as like, okay, you're sup- like, if you've got to the point where we are and we're like, this is Shannon. So like this young Beatrice is Shannon and then the Beatrice and then like the Beatrice we've come to know is what come to know is who Shannon becomes um, post battler's sin and everything like this. Um, and that's supposed to be foreshadowing. But I was also wondering whether like there's anything else that we're supposed to do with this information. Like I, they talk about how like Beatrice is the same person. It's the same whether she's baby Treche or the original Beatrice, she's the same person, but because as humans we understand people through their personalities, she seems like a different person because she has a different personality. And I, I, I was like, is the reverse true? Like, in episode four, for instance, people acknowledge the existence of Kinzo. Like, would they... Is there a possibility that they were like... This isn't Kinzo's body, but this is his personality in somebody else's body, which I feel like would be different to like mistaking him on site, which is what the Red Truth said, because like they know that it's not his body, but they they might be like, this is his personality. I don't know how that would work in terms of like a non-magical scenario, basically. Um but, but I, yeah, I was just—it was just something I was considering about like yeah. personality being different to personhood, I guess. Screaming and clapping at that interpretation, pointing to the the study with Battler embodying Kinzo and jumping mm. out the fucking window, uh, ab- absolutely yelling the whole time. Um, that's so good. Also, um, thinking about Canon. And, di- and Cannon dying in that room, um, yeah. and it would make sense if he's got like a a servant persona that died. Yeah, Th- this is so. This is another thing that I have a question about. Like, I feel like because we've we've had this revelation about Battler's sin, 
like I now want to go back through and look at things from your like Shannon killer perspective. The problem with it is I felt like there were lots of opportunities for Canon to be dead, but not really dead. And I'm not sure whether the same can be said for Shannon. Yeah. Um. And so I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure how, how she technically got away with all of this kind of stuff if she was the one doing a lot of the murders. No, but I agree. I haven't with you. looked back through it, so I I remember when we did the review episode and I was like, it's Shannon. Um struggling a bit without having Canon being inherently complicit, but I'm perfectly yeah. comfortable with that. Yeah, he could he could well be. Um, um We are Beatorice. No comrade, we are Beatorice. I don't know. Um yeah. interested to figure out who Seo is. Because we have Shannon, who has one personality, and Beatrice, who we know to have another personality. And then there's Seo, who we've sort of seen a bit in, like, the George Shannon date, as, like, maybe that's her? Uh, or is Sayo. That... Sayo, yeah. yeah. I can pronounce things that I haven't previously... No, it's fine, I just wanted to correct Google. you. <laughs> um, Sayo, okay. Um, yeah, that's Shannon's uh, name. Shannon uses when uh, not at work. I can't Her believe... actual name. I can't believe actual I pronounced name, it yeah. like Mayo. <laughs> yeah, that's so rude. Sayonese. Sayonese. Oh my god. Um. So yeah, I'm interested to see. Like, we've got we've got Shannon, we've got Sayo, and we've got Beatrice. And I'm like, is Sayo the version that we got on the George? date or is that still shannon where does have we Sayo seen Sayo at all like yeah 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 um it does, is does there Sayo... significance in the fact that we know Shan- that, like that Sayo is shannon's real name but we don't know what canon's real name is yeah and, exactly. like that kind of yeah like... canon's real name's gonna turn up to be beatrice <laughs> <laughs> my name was like you said shannon's uh, canon's real name is gonna turn out to be and my name went greg Georg I don't think he suits Greg actually (laughs) he doesn't suit Greg he doesn't suit Greg he's got to be like sock or something but yeah he's he's going to have a non-binary he's going to be called like Kai like (laughs) he'd be like I know you picked that yourself I love it (laughs) god it's like it's an A name because you got really excited by picking a, a different gender name and you stopped in the first part of the dictionary. It's okay. <laughs> Most trans people I know are A names. I say. I'd like to just point out a thing about what F- Featherine brings up. That uh, when um, <laughs> Featherine writes something, um, uh, when she writes something, a uh, hundred people will read it uh only 1990 people will actually be able to finish it only 50 will be able to understand what it means and not even 20 will be able to think beyond that and this honestly i was reading this i was like is this really kishi's justification for repeating himself so much from writing things probably um it's it's definitely him going yeah like i've written like I've written down on this bullet point, Hashijo unsubtly asks us as the reader to think about the book, lol. Um, yeah. And it's like, this was the moment where I felt really like, 
I felt like Umineko was like, understand the book. It's right here. Um, but I didn't I didn't know exactly what it was that they were trying to make me understand. Like didn't like it. Unless this is another numbers thing and we're supposed to do something with the numbers in that quote and that unlocks the solution. It's not a numbers thing for the epitaph. Please don't do this. It's not a numbers thing. Please. I'm part of the 10%. You can decide what 10% that is. I think it's the 10% of people who fin- who didn't finish it. <laughs> well, we've got three-ish episodes to go. Before, before. we go into the... Um, uh the final bit of this reading i do want to add some important context which is very important specifically for understanding some of the stuff that happens in uh this episode and the next episode okay uh while rikishi was writing this episode his uh close friend uh and also someone who worked for uh zero seventh expansion uh bt passed away Mm -hmm. and um Rikishi often described his relationship to BT as, um, like, he that's who he was writing for. Like, he was uh, kind okay. of, like, the the first reader, and he wanted to write something that would shock and surprise BT. Mm. So, um, I do think this is important for looking at some of the stuff that happens around processing death, which mm-hmm. I believe is... When I was reading this, I was like, this is a super prominent theme of the last bit of this reading with Battler trying to deal with the fact that Beatrice is gone. Yeah. He creates the pe- a piece version of Beatrice who he can kind of like puppet uh, and sort of like makes her say the sort of things that he would expect from her. But it's not her. Yeah. It's him controlling her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he talks a lot about like how how lonely that is, doesn't he? Because he's like, I'm surrounded by cr- essentially characters he's created, but none of them are real. And I'm like, that. Yeah, I can see. I can see a definitely like. I could definitely see a, a kind of lonely author kind of figure yeah. in in that. Um. I'm thinking about cinematic parallels with Ange and all of her friends oh, yeah. and things that she's created. Mm. I'm, I'm thinking real hard about that. I'm thinking real hard about like some of the things they say to Ange and it's like, did she, if they're her furniture and she's completely in control of them, like, did she make them say that? Curiouser and curiouser. But yeah, so I found this uh, quite like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, this could be quite an emotionally heavy hitting chapter then because of all of the the death processing stuff that that's is a, yeah, a, in the background of it. Yeah. I love when bros are bros. Yeah. Like that hmm. Fuck you for making me care about Ryokishi. <laughs> that's really cute that he was like, I'm writing for my friend and now he's yeah, like, and my I, like, gone, are and you... I'm like heck. Yeah, as as someone who has written stuff and created stuff, like that would like being halfway through something that you were creating primarily for somebody else, and then they they weren't there anymore. That would be a pretty yeah, would pretty be a pretty difficult thing to then carry on with. I think. Um, yeah. Rest assured, Courtney. Once my spies reach you and kill you, I will continue to read Umanako. Good to know. If if you die, I will finish it. 
<laughs> Good to know that Without... even if I'm no longer here, the pod will continue in my memory. Without yeah. love, it cannot be read. Well, on that note, I think this is a good place to kind of wrap up. I have several things to say. Um, it's better okay, to burn out and fade away. Okay, Let's so, them out. Um, first one is, I have a theory based on this reading alone of who the um, r- the reader is. Okay. Um, it may. I don't... Th- it kind of doesn't make any sense, but bear with me. So, like... It's all of the stuff that Erica says at the beginning about how Battler's heart will be shut in an, in an inescapable closed room forever. And I was like, are we Battler's heart? Ooh. Like, we've been basically shut in and like being forced to watch all of this stuff the whole time, but we have no agency. Um, like, yeah, there's all of that bit at the beginning where Erica is addressing the reader saying like you can't like like but that but she's talking to the groom saying you know she's talking to battler but she's looking at us saying like you can only listen but you can't speak and then battler can speak but we can't and then and then she talks about the heart i mean his heart immediately afterwards um i felt like the dream sequence um like the the purple locked room thing felt like it was from our perspective and not Mm. anybody else's um and whether like we're essentially like we we're essentially trapped in the meta world seeing all of this stuff going along but unable to actually interact with any of it um uh, back in episode one the one time burn castle like talks to us she she's like oh you're my piece but beatrice has captured you and that kind of feels like it might fit a little bit. Um, also, I have, like because we don't know when this wedding scene is set, like, and it's not yet been referred back to. I was like, is it possible that that occurred before the before everything else we've seen? I have no idea, like, how that would Ooh. work. But like, is this one of the first things that's happened? And like, we've been trapped the whole time after this event or something. Hmm. Yeah, that's my interest. My my weird theory about. Doesn't there's some interesting <laughs> theories going on there? That's pretty cool. Um, I like the I like the battler's heart theory. I have no idea whether or not it would be real, but it's fun. Yeah, I'm like I'm like I don't know if this is even approaching on the truth, but I feel like there's some there's some bits of it that feel. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, that's my one thing. My other thing is, epitaph corner. Welcome to Jess's Epitaph Corner. I I haven't got loads more than I had last time, but I have some alternative things, basically. Um, I have been looking at maps again. Maybe. Um, but I was looking oh. mostly at Japan this time. Um, because I was looking through, back through, actually, no, I'll do the silly ones first. Um, or at least the slightly less convincing ones. Um, so I did, I did find, no, so... No silly theories. Odawara and Najima are real places. 
Rock and Jima mm-hmm. is not, but those two are. Um, they're near Tokyo. Uh, there's that bit where Rose is like, oh, thinks that the epitaph is a journey between here and Kyoto because she misread one of the kanji as Kyoto. Um, I'm like, Kyoto and Tokyo, they're anagrams. Is that anything? <laughs> That's as far <laughs> as that goes. Um, I wrote, is the Sweetfish River actually alcohol? Something, something poison, but sweet tasting like the Eureka nut. Ooh. Um, but I don't know how you follow alcohol through a hometown, um, really. Go on a pub crawl. I was going to say, I know a few ways. Um, I'm not sure pubs are usually on atlases. Um, True. But so, hey ho. Yeah. Um, you got also Nijima, Ni is two in Japanese. Is this the shore the two speak of? Ooh, that's good. Also, like on the map, on a map, I'm pretty sure Nijima is spelt with like N I I, but I think in the game it's only spelt with the N I J. Um, Interesting. And I was like, do we do we do something with that? Because if it's only spelt with one I, then it technically six letters long, but not all of the six letters are in quadrillion. So what do we do with that? Um, so there's some stuff there. Um, and also I was like, you know, like there's the mysterious Sakataru plushie they find in the boat guy's house in Najima, and I don't know whether that's anything like relevant. <laughs> there's a mystery in Najima around why was there a Sakataro there? Um, but the, the real thing that I discovered was, and I did a bit of, I was doing a bit of looking into Kinzo's backstory, um, to try and find any more hints to what his hometown might be. And in episode three, when the adults all talk about it, they have this whole conversation about basically how, um, um, they don't know enough about what his hometown used to look like because it's changed so drastically from like since when he lived there and they don't even know whether Kinzo now could find where he used to live and I was like I feel like that means it's Hiroshima or Nagasaki I feel like I feel like because they talk about after the war like they were like oh yes it like I don't know what it was like before the war like now it's completely different and I'm like what changes a like a, a city entirely other than a, like a nuclear bomb? Um, unfortunately for me, um, none of these theories fit together, or with any of the things I've ever said before. Hmm. <laughs> but that like, could be a doozy. So, like, but I was looking at that, and I was like, unless it's not in Japan. Um, because there were, you know, there were lots of other clues that I was thinking from last time that I was thinking it wasn't in Japan. Um, but like, I was like, that's a, mm. that's a real, like, because they were like, oh, yeah, there's been loads of new development in those cities since then. I'm like, that's a pretty big event in those places in Japan that you can be pretty sure, I think, that people know about. That's true. That's true. Although I wouldn't call it new development. <laughs> I would say no, they're pretty unbuildable. Like, yeah, well, yeah, obviously in the in the actual zones, but I think the um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's big changes for sure. That um, 
And literally the only other thing I have is, um, guess what else is 11 characters long? Ushiro Mia's. Ooh. I really wanted it to be Ushiro Mia. If that had been 11 characters, I'd have been jumping. But Ushiro Mia's is 11 characters. And I'm like, I don't feel like that's enough just Mm. with an S on the end. But like... Is it? Is it? Who knows? I've been struggling um, quite a lot with the fact that quadrillion has a very few numbers of like real words that you can put in it. Um, and I literally, I went through the anagram solver mm-hmm. and I and I took every word from that, every six letter word that you can take. Mm-hmm. And I took it out of quadrillion and I looked at what you had left. And the only one that is a word is drill. And you know what word you have to take out of quadrillion to get drill? Quinoa. (laughs) (laughs) So, there we go. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry for some very deep off-pod lore. Um, One time, uh, Jess and I played D&D together, and they had a character called uh, Quinoa. Yeah, spelt like quinoa, but pronounced quinoa, and that is immediately where my brain went the moment you said that. It's why where mine went as well. Yeah, <laughs> it was a final. It was a Final Fantasy uh, themed D and D, and I was playing a, a Q they called from Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, yeah, um, and you and they all have Q names, and, and they all so had Q names, with... right? So I made them all like, like I was called quinoa, and like. There was my my rival was called Quickie, which was spelled quiche but pronounced wrong. <laughs> it was a great. It was a great. You said that just now. I was like, oh my god, the deep pod law. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so my so my D and D O C Quinoa is is the answer to the, the key. first part it's of the, the episode. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I, I want you to know that I genuinely believed you'd gotten onto something there. And I was like, oh, drill, I can see how that could be a thing. I can see how that could be a thing. And the quinoa. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, there, were, there are some of the words on this list that I thought maybe could be something, and oh, that wow. wasn't one of them. And it's the That's only incredible. one that makes the real word. That's incredible. <sighs> um. Wow. I, too, have been doing my own epitaph work. Oh. So, last week, or like a few weeks ago, you mentioned the Tropic of Cancer. And I was like, hmm, cancer's a six-letter word. Yes. I wonder what Kenzo's star sign is. (laughs) And, sadly, um, so, Kenzo's sun sign is he's a Leo. Um, they're very noble, dignified. I was like, okay, this makes okay, sense for yeah. him. He's hardworking, sure. Um, he wants to change the world and make it a better place. Um, motivated by affection, and they have big dreams and plans to make people happy. I was like, this is slowly not sure how much this sounds like. Kingdom. If you take if you take off the things about happiness and you just have it as big ambitions, big dreams, want to change the world, that's Kinzo to a T. He just right. doesn't necessarily have positive motivations. No, no, not at all. <laughs> to be fair, like often star sign stuff is quite nice. Um yeah. people. I, <laughs> They're not so... like you wanna be evil. Apart from apart from the fact that I am a Gemini and everyone hates me because of it. 
don't understand. So sorry. Don't like. How could you hate Jess? So his moon sign is a Pisces, which means he's very sensitive. They often lose themselves in problems and feelings of others towards whom they're extremely receptive. They're imaginative beings and may seem to get lost in their own fantasy world at times. And I was like, some oh, of this is so true and some of this is so not true. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Um, so I went down his list. For, for the uh, listeners, I we reverse engineered Kinzo's birth year based on when the earthquake of ninjima happens which is what Canto. Canto, Canto, yeah. which is in 1923 as you can see i'm really good at geography um which was in 1923 so we reverse engineered like oh he was 18 at the time which made him born in 1905 so that's how i got his birth chart um the first sign on the list that is a cancer for kinzo is his venus which for those of you not astrology hose um <laughs> it's 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 the planet of love that oh. that dictates your your romance life um it it shows how you experience pleasure um if so if you have a venus in cancer it makes you intuitive and caring um oh a venus requires loyalty and affirmation in all relationships romantic and platonic um, and it means they're vulnerable to being hurt, which means Kenzo's a really sensitive lover. And he's really passionate. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> and his his love language is words of Ooh. affirmation. <laughs> Maybe if people had just said, you know what, Kenzo, you're doing a good job more to him. He wouldn't have turned out like this. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Anyway, um... Yeah, I felt like that was useful inf- character information. <laughs> not helpful epitaph info. I love um, that. <laughs> absolutely living for... I don't know um, what I thought you were doing with his birth date, but that wasn't it. <laughs> oh. Oh. This episode is dealing some damage to me. <laughs> Finally, how the turns of tables... <laughs> Oh, we are dealing boy, psychological me. damage to Courtney. <laughs> tell me about it. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's that's my contribution to the epitaph corner. <laughs> was that Kinzo was a sensitive well. lover. He's a sensitive lover. Based He's on our guess mood. of what year he was born in. Um, I... I will confess to not actually being an astrology ho, so I don't know how much influence what year you were born is. Um, I know that it wouldn't change his sun sign. So I was kind of hoping for a sun sign cancer. That was kind of what I was fishing for, because that would have felt useful. But yeah. it's not, so um, I just then went off on an insane tangent. You- you you did very well with the information you had. I'm not really sure what you uh <laughs> what what really you gained from going down this tangent, but I thank you for it nonetheless. I feel like we've gained a lot as a podcast, um, even if we haven't necessarily gained epitaph information. Um, yeah. As a host of a podcast, I'm starting to regret certain decisions I made. <laughs> Courtney's going to refuse to tell us any bonus birthday from now on. We, we, already like, know, we already know battlers we know battlers completely including his birthday do we, we know when where he was born 
Japan. Uh, probably. Wait, when's his I birthday? don't think we do, but I really don't like that that's immediately the information you want. Um, <laughs> okay, when's Battler's birthday? It's the 15th of July. Mm-hmm. And whatever year makes him 18 in 1986, I guess. <laughs> yes, July fifteenth of July, nineteen sixty-eight. Okay, 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 okay. Battle's a cancer. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. What does that mean? The Tropic of Battler. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, okay, Battle's a cancer, <laughs> and um, he's protective. <laughs> Um, okay. And... Cancers have a reputation for moodiness, although this trait is most evident when the moon is in cancer. Okay, sun in cancer. His moon is Aries. Um... God of War. <laughs> Sorry. Adler really likes playing God of War. Okay, we've cracked it. Moon and Aries usually independent and happy to be their own. They like challenges and new things. Okay, that's definitely not Battler. He does not like a challenge. Um dislike overt expressions of emotions and prefer when everyone is direct and That's not Babbler, he doesn't like a challenge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, okay. I am going to, interestingly, Battler's Venus is Leo. Um. (laughs) Leo Venus wants a partner to put them on a pedestal and in turn they will lift their loved ones up higher. Although loyal and committed in love, Venus and Leo still appreciates admiration and perhaps even casual flirtation from outsiders. Courtney, what, what, um, you know that scene we see with Kinzo talking to the real Beatrice in the mansion in Kuadorian? Was that 1968? Oh, 1967. 1967 is 19 years ago. Interesting. Interesting. 19 years ago, you say. What else happened 19 years ago? And that w- de- and Beatrice was definitely still alive in 1967. So, like... Yes, because 1967 was when she died. So... Hmm. <laughs> um, fascinating. Fascinating. I need to go and think about things now. Yes, let's wrap up. Thank you for your beautiful epitaph corner. Uh, next time we will be reading ahem, from chapter three true feelings to the end of chapter five the source of magic excellent source spelt like like s-o-u-r-c-e rather than like you know like dipping sauce like the soup of magic you might say <laughs> Like one might the say, of magic. <laughs> uh, no. Um, yeah, follow us on the pod Twitter where Rowan, I'm sure, will be doing full astrological charts for all of the characters we have birthdays of now. Oh um, my god! <sighs> I can't wait for Rowan to roast their their charts. Oh, fuck! Incredible, Very exciting. Um. Also, uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we have a Tumblr as well. We do have a Tumblr. I've barely posted on it. <laughs> but stay updated for our social media adventures. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm afraid to say that I went back on Tumblr for like 0.05 seconds, took intense psychological damage from like ha- like 
force flashbacks to being 14 and then deleted the app. Maybe so, I should be running the pod Tumblr. You're very welcome to do that. <laughs> um, Then you can decide which one of us you want to follow the, the ramblings of. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, with all that said, thank you, Delista, for coming with us on this wonderful journey. Yes. Um, we, we sure had a lot to discuss. I need to go lie down and recover. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. Um, Amazing. Thank you, and... Good night. Good night. Bye.